All right, buddy, what's your first guess? Oh, wait, hold on. Oh. Please hold. <laughs> Welcome to the What If Podcast <laughs> with your host, Spencer Webb Davis and Ryan Cockerley. Okay, you get it. What's your uh, What's your first guess? for? Wh- Ryan's playing Wordle for the first time. <laughs> okay, you get it. What's your What's your first guess? Okay, so... Do I where do I do I just type on my keyboard and it'll like go in there? Yeah. Where where else? Well, there's would you no type, there's dog? no cursor, so I don't know. I don't know. I don't know if I have to like. Oh yeah, just start, click just start on a typing. line or something start like typing. that. Nah, just just start hitting them. So hitting I literally, I, I my first you can no cue. You just guess any random any random five letter mm. word. Yep. And then it'll tell you if you got any of the letters right. And if they're in the right, if so, if they're in the right spot or not. Okay. I guess stamp. What'd you guess first? And I have one letter in the wrong spot. Okay. Okay. So now it, it will also, all the, on the keyboard below, anything that's dark gray is uh-huh. a letter you've guessed uh-huh. that's not okay. in it. So it'll, you know, sort of like uh, Hangman sure. or something. Mm-hmm. Okay. Okay. I guess so now prove. I okay. got the P in the right spot, and I got the R and the E right. Yep. O and V is not it. So let's see. Okay. Um, I just did it while I was waiting for Ryan to show up to this to this recording, so I, I know the answer. I'm going to try not to mm, not to help you out at all. Oh man, this is hard, dude. This is hard knowing there's an audience right now. <laughs> I'm like, I got to have my next one real quick. All right. I've got to start with a P and it's got to have an R and an E in it. Mm. We actually just edited out like 10 minutes of Ryan waiting to, to make his third guess. Um, This is minute 35 in real time. Minute two of the podcast. Um, so you got, wait, you said a, a P, an R. And an I, e, I have I have right? P in the right spot, R in the E, and wrong spots. Okay. P. Mm. I mean, sometimes you just gotta you just gotta throw shit out there too. Yeah. You know? Um. Especially for your first one. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You know? Okay. You got six guesses. You'll get there. Ah. Uh, well, it's, I'm, it's funny because it's funny because uh, now I'm going like this whole thing. it's I'm under so much pressure. I'm like I don't know any five letter <laughs> words that start with P, man. Like I like. Oh I wait, man, we I need can't even help, uh, buddy. Um, wait, the P is first, right? Ooh, so I was just joking, and I wrote pervy, <laughs> and I got four of four of Hell five yeah. letters. Look at you, motherfucker! Okay, okay. Right. So you you just gotta swap out that P for, or that All I V could think for something. Was the first word that came to mind was P with P and R and E, and it was pervy. And I was like, "Fuck it, I'm going in." But I got four. <laughs> oh, oh, oh! Okay, God, wait. God. So the only letter I have wrong in pervy is V. What word is P E R? So now, now you gotta use the keyboard and just see what your options oh, are. You know, sure. see what's gray, grayed out or greened sure. out. <laughs> I bet this is terrible radio. Thrilling, terrible radio. Thrilling audio. Absolutely <laughs> terrible radio. Look, guys, I'm I'm learning. Why are you being so lazy? I'm my learning boy? a Come new on, trend. Man. I got perky, and I think that oh, let's go. What's up with y'all? Fuck hey. with your boy. Hey.
For, fourth guess? Uh, fourth guess. Hell yeah. That's One good, played, bro. 100% win percentage. I quit Wordle, baby. <laughs> Never playing again. Going out on top. Pervy Perky, going what out up, on top. Doug? Hi, everybody. Thanks for watching me struggle through my English major's learnings to play an internet <laughs> meme slash viral trend on this week's episode of the What If podcast. Aren't you guys glad we're back? Look at all this content you were baby, missing out on. <laughs> baby, we're back. Yeah, we're here to cater to ourselves. <laughs> <laughs> Well, look, if you're not prepared to do the research, Brian, what uh, what's, up, what's up, man? How are right. you? Uh, I'm good. Um, I got I got a joy on deck if we want to get right me. into it. Get, show me what you've got. Going on vacation for a whole what week. What in the fuck is that? <laughs> yeah, right? What in here. the fuck is um, vacation? I've been just, you know, alternately or simultaneously working and freezing my balls off in uh, here get, in Minnesota. It'll so it'll get you. Gonna get the get the fuck out of here for a week of the worst part of the entire year Tis of living the in Minnesota to get the fuck out of here. Hell yeah, yeah, man! So very very excited to just uh, go smoke weed by a pool for a week and then come back to this fifteen yeah, below nonsense. Totally, but, totally. Guys, if you want to have an unofficial what if podcast meetup, uh, Spencer sent me the address of where he's staying. So all you have to do is Un- unofficial, as fo- in if you'd like to stalk stalk my follow friend me on Twitter, and I'll tell you how to hang out with Spencer <laughs> while he's on vacation. Well, he won't have anything to do; he'll have plenty of time well, to hang out with you guys. It'll be awesome. Just uh, auction off the address, <laughs> and then we'll put the we'll put the earnings towards promoting the new pod. Yeah, buddy. Well, good for you, man. I'm glad you're going to get some sunshine in your life. Yeah, I'm psyched about it. I'm also going to... I think the key now is to just... You got to time it so that you're in states where COVID is better and out of the states where it's worse. You know? So, like, shit's shit's getting bad in Minnesota, right? So, I'll just go to another state where it's already been bad and gotten better. And I'll come back. Just rinse and repeat for like the next decade of of this you're pandemic. A, you're a, what you're saying is you're a transient now. Yes, you're gonna throw correct. a bindle over your, over your shoulder and just catch the train to the next state. You're like a yep. you're like an old timey Wild West criminal who like commits a crime in a state and then has to just be like, well, moving on down the line now. <laughs> Time to go to ruin another city and keep it all moving. The crime the of crime. health. Anyway, <laughs> what's uh, what's up with you, buddy? What's what's getting your getting your uh, fuck? I was gonna try and improvise a stupid <laughs> stupid saying. I got my first wordle right what's on the fourth your, try. What's getting your giblets? What's getting your giblets lately? Getting your giblets. Um, <laughs> is getting my first wordle right on my fourth try count is a joy. Seems pretty lazy, but I guess we'll, well accept it. Well, you know, it. to be honest, we recorded pretty recently, and now I'm struggling to see if anything's happened again. We are back <laughs> in that phase of the pandemic where ain't shit very different. Uh, took took three episodes, by the way. La- last week you were you came in hot. You're like, I've got two, motherfucker, and I'm true. ready right now. And now we're just back to another day, another beer. Look, when it's 48 <laughs> hours, and and I'm just sitting in my house, ain't shit changed, bro. 
Oh, okay. Uh, I got one. I know. I know what my joy is. I'm gonna Let's go uh, do the opposite, sort of the opposite of what you're doing tomorrow, and I'm gonna go to uh, the pond hockey tournament uh, that they do on Lake Nokomis every year. And they sell outdoor beer, and you can uh, watch former college and professional hockey players play on a pond and uh, get outdoors. So I'm getting dickered on that's, this uh, one. An, an extremely uh, two Minnesotan to function <laughs> annual tradition they ho- they host around here. And uh, is it going to be like above yeah, zero? Yeah, it's going to be like twenty nine and sunny. Oh well, and it's not so bad. watching some like goofy hockey and having a beer outdoors and seeing the sun is gonna bring me some joy this weekend. So you you could you do could worse, definitely my do worse. I don't know. I'm just fucking tossing bikes in the <laughs> river, bro. There's never an appropriate time to use that sounder, but I love it so much, and it's on the board, so I'm gonna. It also hit it, once it in a totally while. makes sense because, like these days, when you ask me what my joy is, yeah, I go, I don't, I don't fucking know, man. I'm just tossing bikes <laughs> in the river, man. Like that's how I feel these days. Is that joyful? No, but am I just doing it? Yeah, I don't know. It's, it's something. something. It's it's something to do. Uh, well, um, I got a doozy, a doozy, doozy for us today, bro. Doozy does it. <laughs> <laughs> what uh, what world are we headed into on this on this? Oh wait, uh, bef- before we talk about this episode, we should talk about the mm-hmm. fact that uh, another episode of our new show, Finding Quantum Quest. Oh uh, yeah, is wait. This is the farthest in advance we've ever recorded an episode, <laughs> and now I'm confused. And by, and by that I mean like ten days. That's the farthest ahead we've ever gotten. Uh so what this will be the day before episode I, three I drops that's is that right. correct i was gonna say it's coming out tomorrow episode three mark? drops at midnight midnight slash tomorrow morning if yeah. you're not caught up yet um, uh you should do it go to findingquantumquest.com. you can subscribe to finding quantum quest anywhere you listen to podcasts and the story is continuing to unfurl uh episode three is the beginning of a Big old left turn that I think we sort of successfully navigated, but hopefully y'all stay with us because shit gets, we just keep zooming farther and farther out and uh, things continue to get weirder and weirder. You're going to, you're going to go like it. I promise. Okay. Yeah. Go do that. Subscribe to Finding Quantum Quest. Listen to the episodes or for those of you, a couple of people have asked how many total episodes there are because they would like to binge the whole series at once, which I totally understand. There are five total episodes, and the fifth one will be released on, I believe it's the 23rd of February. Okay, okay. Yes, February. So on February 23rd, if you'd like to listen to the whole series, you can do that. Yeah, buddy. So today's topic is actually sort of tangentially related. Uh, I spent a lot of time while working on Finding Quantum Quest reading up about JPL, Jet Propulsion mm-hmm. Laboratory, the NASA contractor slash development arm yes. of NASA. And there is some insanely weird stuff that went on in the uh, very early days okay. of JPL. Okay. Particularly in the land of the occult. So I thought we would cover <laughs> some of that today. Of the, it, it Wait felt, a minute. <laughs> You're talking, 
it, it felt better suited to this show than our slightly more serious podcast where we actually try and answer questions. You, you talking about wizard rockets? Uh, yes. <laughs> they got more they or less. beards on them. <laughs> yeah, it's just a rocket with a beard. And a big pointy hat. <laughs> A beard and a cloak. That's how you make a wizard rocket. I love I love the c- not very aerodynamic, but very stylish. <laughs> I love the concept of Jet Propulsion Laboratory just being a person's passion project. They're like, look, here's the two things I like. And so I've combined them into one thing. Is it a good Wizards yeah, and explosions? Is it good at being a wizard? Absolutely not. It's a it's a it's a stationary <laughs> object. Is it good at being a rocket? No, not particularly, because we've made it terribly hard to fly. Not if it's a stationary object, it's not. <laughs> It it does a bad job at. This is just a tube with a beard. <laughs> it's a, it's a cylinder with a beard on it. Yeah. So, uh, yeah, Jet Propulsion Labs comes up a bunch in Finding Quantum Quest, and they are essentially the like research and development lab mm-hmm. for NASA, but they are technically a separate yes. organization. One of those uh, government contractor sure. situations. They've had a formal partnership with NASA since the 50s, and they're housed at uh, Caltech in Pasadena. So it's like sort of this triangle of JPL, Caltech University, and NASA. So they were founded in 1943, uh, but that came out of like a less formal rocketry project series of projects this- led by uh Frank Molina, Kien Shuisen, Weld Arnold, Apollo Smith, Jack Parsons and Edward Foreman starting in the 30s. Were we at that time were we primarily this is probably a stupid question but whatever it won't be the first or last one I ask on this show. Were we <laughs> primarily using rockets at that time just for weapons? Like so in the in the 30s, we weren't really using rockets at all. Okay. So these guys, before there was a NASA or a space program of any kind, these guys, their first contracts were building rockets for the Army. Okay. But they were, even before that, they were just out in the desert seeing if they could build rockets because no one really had so, Got yet. it. So not only were we not using rockets at the time, these guys were the guys that were like, hey, what if rockets? <laughs> yeah, I mean, they. so the, the concept has been around f- for hundreds of years, going back to, like, the Chinese used rockets in... Fireworks. Very, very... Yeah, and, like, hundreds yeah. of years ago. But for any, like, practical, precise application, they didn't Got really it. exist. Got it. So these guys were trying to... I guess modernize that concept for more modern applications like well they wanted to go to space but there wasn't a market for that so they ended up working for the army <laughs> essentially is what happened uh why would we go explore other planets when we could use these to kill people we can just blow each other up instead of you know learning uh, shit. education or death which uh which one which which direction you guys want to go here uh let me check my watch we're in america yeah, yeah no, we're we killing did. each other that's yep. that decision yep, yep, yep. got made a long time ago. So of that group, we're going to focus primarily on Jack Parsons because he was by far the, the weirdest of the bunch. 
Uh, he came from a very wealthy family who lost most of their money during the Great Depression. And so he went from being like a very rich kid to being 19 and just having to go find a job. Can I, can I ask and one more question? He, Is Jack Parsons sure. the singular founder of JPL? He's no. just one of the main founders of JPL? Yeah, so that that group of guys We're I just listed, technically considered uh, founders, six, six of them had like different iterations of those six guys had several companies okay. together. Uh, one called Aerojet, and then another. Uh, there was one before that that now I can't remember the name of. Um, but they basically they founded a company together so that they could get. Uh, army contracts and then once that work slowed after the war they turned towards like aeronautics and space and then founded Aerojet which then sort of became JPL. Okay, alright, I'm tracking I'm tracking They actually end up later kicking Parsons out, but we'll get there This is considered a dick move <laughs> It was probably warranted, honestly. So he started uh, working at a powder company with explosives at 19. Uh, went to Stanford for like a year to study chemistry. And then by the time he was 20, was attempting to build rockets. <laughs> I just, I just mm-hmm. like, like, yeah, I got about uh, twelve to eighteen months' experience in this. Let's uh, let's fucking let's do it. Let's let's go. That was basically his his approach to most things. It seemed like, um, very smart dude, but much more interested in the like trial and error practical side of things than the like let's get it all worked out on paper first <laughs> approach. Which, you know, great, great strategy when you're dealing with life and death level, like, explosions. Explosions. Yeah, 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 yeah sure. P- potentially blowing yourself and others up. <laughs> Some Leroy Jenkins shit right there. That's a sound we've never had for the board. That would be pretty good. Leroy Jenkins. <laughs> so, yeah, he started building rockets with this group of Molina and Foreman and company in the 30s and they didn't have any contracts or like investors or anything yet they just would scrape together what they could go out to the desert and try and blow shit up basically amazing hobby often often while intoxicated amazing hobby let's get drunk and blow things up in the desert and see if we can get a get a nasa grant about it i mean honestly 30s la sounds kind of awesome You've got L.A., but then, like, in five minutes, you're in the middle of fucking nowhere desert. Yeah, well, back then, when L.A. had not completed any amount of real sprawl in the way that it has today, you probably were in the desert even right. even sooner than it takes now. Dude, Pasadena, would, like, was nothing. Yeah. You were... Totally. <laughs> there was just... You could be within, like, not within a five-mile radius of another person pretty easily. So... Caltech did exist already, though, and they were close enough that uh, some Caltech employees and students noticed them frequently blowing shit up nearby <laughs> and dubbed them, dubbed them, quote, the Suicide oh, Squad. Well. <laughs> I mean, it sounds... And... Yeah. yeah, I mean, thankfully, none of them actually blew themselves up, but there were 
many close calls. Yeah, and it, it would be like. pretty easy to see how guys like this, who <laughs> 20-year-old guys who have roughly 12 months worth of experience in explosives getting drunk and hanging out in the desert, would may or may not have a death wish. Yeah. Oh, yeah, yeah. It, it is sort of a miracle that none of them blew themselves <laughs> up in those early days before they had actually figured they out how this shit worked. Really even. long fuses. Really, really, really. <laughs> They actually drove back to L.A. and just unfurled fuse the whole way. They never knew if any of them worked. They just came back, and usually they weren't there. They either if took we off see or a they light blew. climbing into the sky from back home, they'll be like, oh, shit, no way, the rocket worked. <laughs> so they eventually were successful and developed both solid and liquid-fueled rockets. They contracted with the Army for several years and then eventually founded JPL in 1943 when Parsons was still just 31 years old. Cool, cool. Mm -hmm. Uh, While this was going on, he bought a mansion in Pasadena to... Well, hold on, let me back up a minute. While he's doing all this shit, he starts getting real interested in the occult. (laughs) And... He had always had, like, some amount of interest, at least since he claimed to have summoned the devil into his home at 13 oh, years old. Uh-oh. <laughs> uh-oh. <laughs> Shit went but in bad the 30s, real quick. <laughs> in the 30s, he took things up a notch and joined... Are you familiar with uh, Aleister Crowley? We've talked about Aleister Crowley on the show. Isn't he the guy that okay. had the weird uh, Loch Ness sex ritual stuff yeah so he he thinks or thought that the Loch Ness monster was something that he summoned from the ether by it was fucking a demon about it. right or he he thought it was something a demon? along those lines yeah 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 some sex magic ritual put a monster in the lake it was is I think the the short version you, you, you no got something? sorry I was just trying to remember what the okay. Aleister Crowley story, story actually was so he had Crowley had a an occult, I guess group, uh, sect. Uh, call, I'll say cult. Cult. Oh, whatever is you want to call it. The, <laughs> they somebody called him the wickedest man in the world. <laughs> this article, yeah, hell yeah, he was into this some weird article shit. title is "Meet Alistair Crowley, the wickedest man in the world who horrified 20th century Britain." <laughs> We're seeing some shit Jesus. we ain't never seen was, before, kid. Guy was a weird ass. All right. Yeah. So his cult or group or whatever we're going to call it was called the Ordo Templi Orientis. And uh, Crowley lived in England, but Parsons basically like headed up the West Coast uh, <laughs> order mm-hmm. of this group. And basically, they just did all kinds of weird shit around L.A. with people like L. Ron Hubbard, who would later found Scientology. Mm-hmm. No comment. And I Robert like, Hi- <laughs> I like my life the way it is. No comment. <laughs> and Robert Heinlein, the sci-fi writer. You familiar with him? He wrote like Starship oh, Troopers. Say, that sounds familiar, but I don't know why. Stranger in a Strange Land and a bunch of other stuff. Um, so it was like all these sci-fi occult actual cults and uh rocket scientist folks all hanging out together doing weird shit none of this tracks i mean it tracks but like none of it tracks like there's no (laughs) right 
<laughs> There's no intuitive link between any of this stuff. This is fucking nuts right here. So, these guys all get to know each other. They're all doing weird shit together in L.A. Parsons buys a mansion in Pasadena to sort of serve as their headquarters. <laughs> and people would... It was... Yeah, they had like 12 bedrooms or something, so a bunch of people rented out rooms there, and then people would gather for what they called the Gnostic Mass. That was their, like, ceremony. Uh -huh. uh, which involved, like... All this really over-the-top pageantry, nudity, I don't know why I said nudity, <laughs> nudity, nudity, <laughs> poetry. Because <laughs> you're talking about Brits, you said that uh, word with your pinky up, man. I think I've been watching, I've been watching 30 Rock again, and I'm just picking up on the way that Jenna says everything, oh. like camera, and camera. it's like uh, sort of the... The Moira Rose a thing, A dust-covered child pulling at your <laughs> pant leg. Yes, exactly. Uh, so basically, they would do drugs, read poetry, get naked, and do weird rituals Dude, together. I'm sorry, I just, need to, I just need to say really quick, this is the true mm -hmm. story of seven strangers picked to live in a house, work together, and have their lives taped to find out what happens when people stop being polite and start getting real. The real world, Pasadena. <laughs> <laughs> Basically, this is 1935 40s edition. real world Pasadena with, like, <laughs> sex cults and fucking explosives. What the fuck? Stop saying shit like that. It's unprofessional. <laughs> what the fuck? That's, that is extremely accurate, except none of it was filmed, that unfortunately. That would have been a, a real treat for all of us, wouldn't it? So, in terms of this tracking or like even approaching anything that makes sense Parsons basically figured well I did this other thing that people said was impossible and like made up and fictional in terms of like building rockets and shooting them you know thousands of feet yeah. up into the air why shouldn't I be able to do this other thing that people say is impossible aka magic sure. rituals like, if all this shit was real, but people told me forever that it was fake, what about the, this? The thread, the thread here is, I'm going to do the farthest out possible thing. <laughs> yeah. Uh, there's a quote from Parsons related to this where he said, it has seemed to me that if I had the genius to found the jet propulsion field in the U.S. and found a multi-million dollar corporation and a world-renowned research lab, then I should also be able to apply this genius in the magical field. Wow. Bold. It's one of, one of the whitest, <laughs> malest statements I think I've ever heard in my life, but that was that was where hey, he was um, coming from yeah i you know when i went to college i was pretty uh i was pretty okay at baseball so i don't understand why i couldn't just go ahead and play any other professional sport that i want to are you just anthony edwards now <laughs> well he's different because he could my my dad had money and no one's ever told me no so <laughs> I think we're I fine. I'm great at one thing. I'm work pretty out. sure that means I'm great at everything. <laughs> Anything. A one since day things? one, baby. Straight Dude. cleanup. Um, okay, so 
he starts getting deeper and deeper into this shit and spending more and more of his time doing weird rituals and hanging out with all these weirdos. But he's still doing like during the he has a day job. He's building rockets and they have government contracts and obligations and like they needed to make shit so that they could send it overseas for right. war. And like he had some some pretty serious obligations uh day to day. And as these two things overlapped, his work started to suffer because he would show up like hungover and or high and he would like try and bring work friends over to the house at night to get into weird shit. And they're like, bro, not, not cool. Yeah. Um, when people from like visiting scientists or people from other universities would show up to his house to meet with him, he would show up like stoned with a giant snake around oh, his shoulders. Oh, oh, oh. <laughs> okay. <laughs> He started missing work or showing up like hella late to work. Um, hey guys, so I uh, can't come into work today. I've got a cauldron bubbling. The snake's too heavy. <laughs> the snake's too heavy. <laughs> this boy's been growing, and I can't. Guys, move I can't anymore. blow up stuff in the desert with you today. My demon snakes really, <laughs> really got me down. <laughs> Nagini says I should stay here, <laughs> and when the snakes talk to me, I listen. Okay, bud. Well, maybe also don't come in on Monday. (laughs) (laughs) Maybe just stay home forever. So in in 1944, their company Aerojet, which is like what they turned their war building efforts into, was sold... And in the process of selling the company, they basically told Parsons, like, yeah, you you can leave. Like, we'll give you a bunch of money to fuck off and not be associated with this anymore because your shit's getting too weird. If if you can set down the snake, you can stay. If you can't. <laughs> I think it was more of like, if you can set down the coke, uh, you can stay. Well, yeah. <laughs> Look, or also like if you can stop trying to trying to fuck our coworkers at your weird cult house, you can stay. Call him A, little call him B, little call him C, little call him D. Mm-hmm. <laughs> <laughs> Correct. Basically, they just saw him as like also, they didn't really need him anymore either because like they had solved a lot of the problems that they needed sure. him to solve. So basically, at, he eventually just became more of a liability Sounds than like an asset. Exclusively a liability. <laughs> yeah. 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 Once they had his work, they no longer needed this giant liability sure, of a sure. man. Yeah. So they bought him out, and he took that money to buy that mansion, and then just go like whole hog into weird occult shit because he had no other obligations, and he owned a house and had a little <laughs> bit of money. I love that his horrible effort at his job was like the last string that was keeping him attached to like to, <laughs> to reality to any sense of reality and now he's like haha they cut my rope i'm going full bore <laughs> hail satan well i mean yes and also it didn't go didn't work mm. out great for him so <laughs> maybe i should be laughing less he, uh, depending he, on where this goes i mean it's 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 been a long time yeah. it's probably fine uh, so he buys the house, he starts renting out the rooms, all this weird shit starts going down, and L. Ron Hubbard actually moves into the house oh. at one point in the, oh. in the 40s. And Hubbard and Parsons become, like, oh. besties. 
and spent neither of them I don't think had anything else to do it okay. doesn't sound like and just got into all kinds of weird shit together the weirdest being this thing they called the Babylon working in which they attempted to summon a goddess from the ether who they believed would give birth to the Antichrist. Oh. Mm-hmm. Oh. <laughs> so, for several weeks, the two of them engaged in ritual chanting, drawing of occult symbols in the air with swords, <laughs> dripping animal blood on runes, oh. And masturbating onto magical tablets while listening to violin concertos. Nah. (laughs) Nah. I'm good. (laughs) There's uh, this author, Annalie Newitz, uh, wrote like a long form article about this whole weird situation. And she said, quote, it was magic, yes, but it was also the future founder of Scientology jerking off with the founder of JPL in order to indirectly spawn the Antichrist. I can't believe any of this is real, dude. Like, like, it sounds like fanfic. Like, it sounds like... It sounds like someone uh-huh. and like not not even good fanfic. Like this would not be terribly it's, it's, believable. Yes, totally. It sounds like someone just freestyling a very ludicrous <laughs> origin story as Luda- a joke. Oh. Uh yeah, basically. It would be hard to make up something stranger than yeah, this. Yeah. Like Yeah. Like it 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 like feels actually unhinged. <laughs> I mean, it is unhinged, but I mean, it, even though <laughs> oh, it's, it's extremely, it's extremely unhinged, unhinged, but I mean, even like the telling of it as factual just feels like detached from any, any reality that we live in. I think there's something about retelling it in like this concise factual way that actually makes it seem more totally. absurd because you're, you're, you know, cherry picking the strangest moments and like sort of taking them out of context. Yeah. I think if you were around this dude every day, maybe you'd be like, oh, yeah, I I could see how he got into all of these different weird things. (laughs) I don't know. Or it would have been 10 times weirder. I don't know. I was just struggling with being like, I don't know, dude, that's a pretty wild list of things to be like, you know, they're they're removed from context. So like, like, well, no, I'm not saying it would be like great, (laughs) but but you could you could maybe like see the progression, you know? Sure, sure. We. You, you would be able to at least, uh, like, find a logical trajectory from this man's spiral instead of it just arriving at the end of the spiral, you're saying. Well, and we're talking about this happening over the period of, like, a decade totally, or more, right. too. You know, it's not like this all happened in a month where he went from <laughs> founding JPL to jerking off with fucking the founder of Scientology to spawn sure, the Antichrist. Sure, sure, it's a- It took, like... What you're saying months. is the absurdity <laughs> is cumulative in this in this situation. It's condensed. And therefore condensed. We have condensed sure. the absurdity, I think sure, is what sure, I'm trying sure. to say. So anyway, uh, after they had practiced for long enough, Parsons and Hubbard went out to the <laughs> desert to, <laughs> to enact this ritual for real. And they spent several days at an undisclosed location in the desert, somewhere outside of L.A., uh, in an attempt to summon... Lady Babylon, who they be- believed would give birth to the Antichrist. Cool. How'd it go? <laughs> well, 
they thought they were successful. They spent a few days out there, and when they got home, there was a woman named Marjorie Hang on. Cameron. Hang on. <laughs> who, what? A woman named Marjorie Cameron showed up uh, at the house while they were gone, and they believed her to be this Lady Babylon that they okay, were trying to right. summon. I just love the the visual of these guys high fiving and getting back in the car. <laughs> nice, nice. <laughs> yeah, I think we're done here. All yeah, right, she well, should be at home waiting uh, for I think us. That's I think. It. Nice job. Uh, uh, Ron, when you were on the astral plane, did you give her the address to the okay, house? Okay, so we're good. Yeah, we should be Sounds straight. Sounds good. Then. Well, let's, yeah, she's uh, let's throw those tablets us. in the trunk and uh... <laughs> a- acid or magical. I don't know what they're doing. Probably both. It sounds like <laughs> Rock, rocks or ruins. It sounds my like guy. they're doing both. <laughs> uh, so yeah, they get back to the house, and this this woman Marjorie Cameron is there, and I guess they just ignored the fact that she was born in Belle Plaine, Iowa, twenty four years prior, and assumed that they had summoned her from the ether. <laughs> <laughs> it kind of. Or maybe there's some sort of time travel situation going on. I don't. I don't it know. It kind of dovetails nicely with uh, I'm so good at rockets. I could probably be good at summoning the devil, and just being like a woman showed up. So clearly, this is a result of me summoning the devil. Yeah, I time traveled back to Iowa in 1910 and <laughs> put this woman into another woman, and now she I'm showed up at my house. Excellent at this. <laughs> wow. <laughs> So from here, things actually get uh, messier. It, I don't. I can't. <laughs> How? So Parsons had several romantic relationships going on mm-hmm. at the same time. Um, he married Helen Parsons Smith in 1935, but in 1941 started an affair with her mm-hmm. sister, who was 17 at the time. Oh boy, this. So at the. At the time of the summoning, he was married to one woman, dating her sister, and attempting to summon a third from the astral plane. Now I really don't give a shit what happens to this guy. Yeah. Um, Sarah, the Parsons' girlfriend slash sister-in-law, was also dating L. Ron Hubbard at the time, and Hubbard was also married to another woman named Margaret Grubb at the same time. So lots, just lots of overlapping relationships. Cool. Cool. Mm -hmm. (laughs) (laughs) Parsons then in 1946 married Marjorie Cameron, who he believed was this Lady Babylon that they summoned from the ether. Marry the devil, as you do. Well, someone has to birth the Antichrist, so I think he was just trying to expedite things. Sorry, marry the devil's mom. My bad. (laughs) Right, right. In order to... Produce the devil, who would be also his child, I think was the plan there. Sure. Somebody's got to knock up this lady so she can give look, birth some, to the devil. Might as look, well be somebody's got to be the devil's dad. And I'm I'm clearly <laughs> the most qualified candidate. So Jack Devil's Daddy Parsons. Here I, here I am. <laughs> ready for ready, ready for action. Yeah. So Jack Parsons, L. Ron Hubbard, and Sarah, who they were both dating, founded a company, but neither of them were married to. Parsons was married to two other people? Not really sure how that worked. Maybe they got divorced from one of them at some point. Anyway, the three of them founded a company together, 
And Parsons put $21,000 into this company okay. of his own money, which in the 40s Sizable, was a lot of sure. money. Also, I think it was all the money he had left at that point. Um, L. Ron Hubbard and Sarah then used that money to not start a company, but buy three yachts and flee the country. <laughs> what a grift. <laughs> yeah. So his occult summoning partner and his girlfriend slash ex-wife's sister stole $20,000 from him, spent it on three yachts, and took off. That's awesome. <laughs> That's awesome. This guy for sure earned it. <laughs> A while later, L. Ron Hubbard came back and then published Dianetics in 1950. Cool. <laughs> cool. Uh-huh. So, Parsons' uh, occult efforts had failed. His rocketry efforts had failed. He started just it, from 46 until 1952, just like wrote a bunch of weird things, including a book of poetry, Ooh. an autobiography, and a bunch of weird occult How the shit. poems? Um, I couldn't. So there, you can buy this book of oh, his wow. poetry. I was totally joking. But it's like a lim- that did not exist. It's like a limited edition hardcover thing, and it's like 200 bucks. So I don't know, because I'm not going to spend $200 on it, and there's, it doesn't exist in another format. I bet it's weird. I'm sure it is. I'm, I'm certain it's not good someone also, should, but the weird may outweigh the some, bad. Yeah, right. Someone should buy it and just scan it and put it on the internet. It could be it us. It could be us. Fund our fuckery. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, so he, he took on like a few jobs here and there. At one point, he was writing technical documents for an Israeli rocket company. Okay. And a former coworker of his thought he was a spy and reported that to the FBI. And they weren't able to prove that he was doing any anything illegal, but in the process, they revoked his security clearance which meant he couldn't work on classified projects, which essentially ended his career in sure. rocketry for the U.S. or Makes anyone sense. else. And then, in 1952, he blew himself up in his garage. Intentionally or accidentally? Possibly on accident. It's unclear. So, there was a big explosion. His neighbors called the police. Police show up, and he is alive, but barely uh he blew his arm entirely off and his his head and face were in pretty rough shape uh they took him to the hospital and he died that same day um there were like his garage was also his like lab and so there were chemicals everywhere rocketry like papers and stuff and then uh, of course a bunch of weird rick and morty vibes (laughs) <laughs> yeah, very, very much so. So the official like police report was that he dropped a container of fulminated mercury, which I don't really know what that I don't is. Either, but I'm going to look it up. But s- some apparently unstable chemical that if you drop it, bad things happen. And then his garage was also filled with other explosives and stuff because 
one of the few things he could work on was um, explosives for Hollywood, oh, like sure. film and, and TV and stuff. So he had a garage full of explosives and then dropped, like a he was mixing chemicals in a coffee can and dropped it and it blew up or something <laughs> like that. Such back alley fucking... Yeah, it's yeah. a it is a primary explosive, highly sensitive to friction, heat, or shock, and is mainly used to trigger oh, other yeah, explosives in percussion caps or detonators. Yeah, I okay. can imagine so, yeah, a he bucket dropped, of that. Dropped a container of that. <laughs> Probably not super stable. And blew yeah. himself up. Especially if you're surrounded by other explosives, which it sounds like uh, almost he was. constantly was, yeah. Yeah, so some folks that had worked with Parsons thought that it was unlikely that that is what actually happened because he was typically very, like, despite his general chaos, was actually, like, very neat and and systematic when working in the lab. Despite, despite using a fucking Folgers can. <laughs> well. Look, I know it doesn't seem like it, but this guy's a pro, okay? Yes? <laughs> I mean, it is, I think it is easy to, like, because of all the other weird shit he did, f- like, ignore the fact that he was also a genius in explosives totally. and rocketry. And I don't exactly know where the coffee can think. Like, it's in his one of his biographies that I read. But, like, if he blew up his entire garage, how would you... How did you conclude that he was mixing this shit in a probably, coffee can? Probably not a whole lot know? left of that coffee can. Right. Or, yeah, whatever. Um, other people thought that that was uh, not yeah, not a great explanation and that he more likely either committed suicide or that someone else wanted to kill him. Oh. Because I think he had made a, a fair number of enemies throughout his life. I mean... <laughs> You know, trying to be the devil's dad and all, you might piss a couple of people off. Right. You know, also like helping Israel build rockets as an American citizen probably like doesn't play super well with some yeah, people. Yeah, and also if, I mean, if you have a bunch of knowledge about like the United States, like rocketry capabilities, because you literally were one of the dudes to develop them. I don't know. I I could see why you would be, uh, you know, a target. Sure. Um, other people, including Edward Foreman, who he built rockets with for many years, thought that the accident was extremely plausible. <laughs> oh no, he for sure so, did that shit. <laughs> I mean, if if one of your closest friends who has built rockets with you for a decade says yeah jack probably blew himself up and that's what the police report says i'm inclined to believe that over you know the more conspiracy minded explanations Bro, but i hung out with jack for 30 years that guy almost blew himself up 9000 times this is just the one that actually <laughs> took <laughs> okay i know what this guy's capable right. of usually we were outside this time he was in a garage you know, he was probably uh, booted on Molly and fucking like <laughs> d- drunk as a skunk and thought he was like mixing a cocktail in a shaker and just ended up shaking a bunch of pulmonated <laughs> fucking mercury and blew his ass up. He was using a Folgers can, thought he was shaking a cocktail. That motherfucker was shaking fulminated mercury and blew himself up. 
So whatever happened, yeah, he died at 37 and lived one hell of a life for the years between branching out on his own at 18 and dying Bro, at 37. That is a lot of life in 20 years. For two, yeah. Woof. That is a wild two decades. Woof. And then, uh, you know, what, by 60, 60 what, we went to space? Three or something? Uh, the f- like well, the, first the first human space flight rocket? was... The first NASA trip to... Yeah. I, I should know the answer to that, but I don't. I thought it was late 50s. Uh, Yuri Gagarin might have been. I think the first American was 60-something. Oh. John Glenn. Um... Whatever. It does suck that he never got to see a person actually go Pioneer to space. Pioneer 1 went up in 58. That wasn't... Was no, that no, no. Though? You just said... What was the, you, we were just, I yeah. just thought we were talking first launch. Oh, like I something see. that had, well, yeah, had a rocket on it, basically. A booster on it. Sure. Well, then, yeah, that would have been Sputnik in 50... Whatever. A year before that? 57 or something? But Sputnik wasn't us. Well, right, but... He didn't get to see anything go to space, is what, I guess what I'm trying to oh, say. Oh, sure. He, you're saying he did not get to see origin. the fruits of his rocket creation labor. Yeah, five years later, we were putting stuff yeah. in space, but he, sure. he missed it. Sure. That sucks. Well, yeah, I mean, look, uh, la- does that suck? Sure. Did he have <laughs> Did he have everything to do with his own inability to see that happen? Yes. Well, yeah, but I mean, you know, how many times have you dropped something that didn't blow I you I don't up? keep things that I could drop and would blow my house up in my house. Well, fair point. <laughs> and also, I do not keep them in a Folgers can if I do. Maybe if something can kill you if dropped, don't carry it. Is that what you're saying? Or be in any remote vicinity <laughs> to it. My mistake. You know. So, last weird uh, note on this dude. In the JPL history section of their website, so it's uh, jpl.nasa.gov slash who we are slash history, there's this long, long article with a bunch of photographs and it's probably, I don't know, 10 or plus pages of, of stuff that's like a full JPL history he is mentioned zero times in the whole thing. How oh, they put a little put a little distance between them and their history. So the very first paragraph, after unsuccessful and sometimes hazardous experiments, several graduate students led by Frank Molina, along with rocket enthusiasts from the Pasadena area, moved their work off campus. That's as close as they so get his, to mention. He is him. lumped into quote rocket enthusiasts. Or, well, yeah, he is a rocket enthusiast, apparently, not a founder of JPL. <laughs> He's in one photo, but that's it. They never actually put his name rocket in Rocket, parentheses, and Satan enthusiasts. <laughs> People who liked, liked explosions and loved the devil helped us get to space. Graduate students, rocket enthusiasts, and devil daddies... <laughs> Built some shit out in the desert and almost blew themselves up. Oh, my God. So anyway, that's the story of Jack Parsons and JPL. JPL. Well, 
I we have a weird thing to thank for walking on the moon, I guess. <laughs> yeah, right. I mean, he wasn't the only one. There are a whole whole bunch but, of other people. You know, he really he really, he really got the thing in motion, huh? He he played a part for sure. Maybe, maybe, maybe. No, see, I was gonna try to I was gonna try to do some sort of like. Uh, Maybe there was a tie-in where he was like, oh, no, no, the devil's on the moon. <laughs> and we just... <laughs> I gotta go get him. The, that's the tie-in the whole time was he was like, no, 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 you don't understand. I know where he is. <laughs> we, just we just gotta, gotta get build there. some rockets real quick. <laughs> gotta go grab him and bring him back. This whole Antichrist thing isn't gonna really take unless we unless we <laughs> bone on the moon. <laughs> it's part of the prophecy. It's part of, look, it's part of the process. Just trust the snake. You got to trust the snake, okay? <laughs> when when the devil came into my room when I was 13, he said, you got to bone a, na- a woman named Marge on the moon or it's not going to work. And and he didn't get to see. <laughs> he's, bro, he's a, he's a ghost because he blew himself up, you know? So he's a ghost now. Sure, yeah, sure, sure. Yeah, yeah. That's, those, that's the right and process. And he's watching yep. Neil Armstrong and Buzz Aldrin on the moon, and he's just like, no, you're not doing it right. <laughs> Shit. I wonder, I would love to hear the side of, of this that is like L. Ron Hubbard's origin story, too. Because, like, two years after he, he scammed Parsons out of all his money to buy yachts, <laughs> he started sure. Scientology. Yeah, I mean... Like, there, Scientology started... While Parsons was still alive, I think. There's got sure. There so there's gotta be some unofficial autobiography of L. Ron Hubbard that also mentions Jack Parsons. I'm sure. Yeah. Maybe maybe that's the origin. He was like, I just scammed one of the smartest guys ever out of twenty thousand dollars to buy a yacht. What do you think I could scam the average person oh, out to- of if I just scale sure. this thing up? Totally. That gave him his grift. Maybe that's where all his grifter confidence came from. I just think about. I took this dude's wife and all his money and bought a think, yacht. Think about all the yachts. Yeah. Um. Hmm. Why have three yachts and one money when you could have? Wait. No. Three Sorry. yachts and one money? Anyway. <laughs> <laughs> that's uh that's what I got for you. Well, today. I guess I'm glad I know that. <laughs> I You're welcome. Look. So guys, if you want to know what's in Finding Quantum Quest, that's what we left out <laughs> of Finding Quantum Quest. <laughs> Imagine how weird what we kept that got cut. <laughs> Imagine how yeah. weird what we kept in that show is. If that story is a story we were like, nah, can't do it. Can't fit in there. <laughs> There's just Go no finding quantumquest.com. Go subscribe. You can hear all of the other weirdness, different weirdness. None of it's that weird. There's, no, it's, it's just better, better weird. <laughs> Not worse weird. <laughs> All right. We love you guys. Thanks for listening. It's hi at whatifpodcast.com, 612-246-4614, findingquantumquest.com. Share the show with your friends. We love you. Oh, my. Look at this fucking thing.